taking feet and taking a feet are two very different things. Welcome to Magic Explains It All, a podcast where we get to brag about our characters and our creation skills. I'm your host, Brad, and uh, today we actually don't really know much about our guests except that they invited uh, me to play with this group before formally uh, meeting, so he's really nice and kind of a poor judge of character because he invited me to come play, but that's okay. Please welcome uh, Jim to the show. Jim, thanks for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Nice to meet you, Brad. You too. <laughs> Before we get into like your character, which uh, you have a t-shirt of your character, which I think that is like really, really cool, uh, let's kind of talk about how you got into playing RPGs and uh, D&D. If, did you start with Dungeons & Dragons? I did. Um, so... My origins start with actually collecting minis for Dungeons & Dragons. I remember my mom going into Michael's and looking around, and I would see the little minis in the case. And so I got that some and started painting them, but didn't... Like, some of the creatures were so weird, I didn't know, like, what they looked like or how to paint them. So I found a monster manual that had some of them, you know, in color on the cover, and I took it home. And unfortunately, the first edition Monster Manual was all in black and white, so inside it didn't oh, have any of the colors. But there were some in the descriptions, and then eventually I got into the game from that. Very cool. So the Monster Manual, was was that also in Michael's, or was that kind of a separate trip? No, I think I found it in like a bookstore in the mall. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I was about to say, man, that, that'd be really cool if Michael's was the, uh, right. was the one-stop <laughs> shop for, uh, for getting into RPGs. And that's really cool that... Uh, that just came from a from a trip like that. So, uh, w- how long ago was that? Like, when did you start playing? Well, I'm I'm a lot older than you. So, yeah, that, <laughs> I, didn't, that I didn't mean that. I meant I meant more of just like like what I guess what a, uh, you said it was, was first edition. first edition. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, do you have like a favorite edition that uh, that has like a special place uh, for playing? Okay. So right. So I I had those minis and. I didn't really have any friends that play the game with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had had one friend that was a friend of my parents, and we played, but it was just the two of us, so we really didn't even roll dice. It was really? just, you know, I would come up with stories, and he would tell me what he wanted to do, and I'd decide if that was good, or and then what happened. And most of the time, we just walk around in the, you know, outside and, and talk about it. Um, and then I got out of the game for a long time. Really didn't get back into it until fifth edition came along. Okay, that's a. It's such a different image than what everybody's like used to thinking of with Dungeons and Dragons, with like you know hanging out in in just a room with everybody and maybe like basement or something. But you guys walking outside, just like think like kind of talking about it out loud. I think that's a neat way to to start off with it. So yeah, theater of the mind extreme. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been playing fifth uh, edition now for uh, since it came out. Pretty uh, much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, are there any like of your like? Do you have any campaigns that are kind of like your favorite so far? Um, so I started with Out of the Abyss that some people at the Game Closet were running, mm-hmm. and then I came up with my home homebrew um, kind of Asian campaign with all new races and classes and an adventure. Oh wow! Um, and that was a lot of fun. Um, we've done a few of the you know the the prepackaged adventures. Um, but probably just as many homebrews as well. Very cool. Uh, I've only played homebrews, so whenever, uh, like you were telling me earlier about uh, that you were playing uh, Waterdeep, I was just like, I don't necessarily know what that is, but it sounds really cool. But it also sounds like the uh, water levels in Mario that get you very, very frustrated too. So, (laughs) 
Um, no, that's awesome. So let's kind of hop into your character. You told me their name as I'm. I'm gonna try to get it right. Okay. Uh, Grand Grand Ducha, Vigorella Apparata. Yes. <laughs> yes, I got it. But you said uh, you said it was a Jivo for short. Right. Okay. So kind of give some uh, background on uh, Jivo. What's uh, like race class? Like what's kind of her thing? Her thing is she is an opera singer. Um, so this is her stage name. Um, the I don't think the other players ever learned her real name. Um, so Waterdeep is like the biggest city um, in the world um, in our campaign. And she was from another city and had come and kind of gotten into some trouble. Um, her husband um, was embezzling from one of the lords. And so she got uh, banished and... Now she's coming back into the city as an opera singer with a false name, trying to make a name for herself, and decided to go into uh, this little tournament with some other people, and that's how the adventure party formed. Okay. Um, and then to make money on the side, she gets this opera job. Um, so she has these little noble halfling servants um, that go around town and hang up posters and try to get her jobs, and that's how we have an income. Very cool. So I kind of want to hear the inspiration behind like kind of these character choices and uh, the appearance. The appearance is a very, uh, I don't know how to describe like a very uh, D&D opera singer. Like that's all, the only way I can really describe it is just very like over the top and uh, with a lot of makeup and everything. Like what, what's, uh, what kind of inspired these uh, creation decisions? Right. So I usually am the dungeon master for mm-hmm. my campaigns and um, one of my newer players decided he was ready to tackle uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist as the DM. And so that's why we used the the existing campaign instead of doing a homebrew is because he felt more comfortable doing that. And I wanted to, you know, this is one of my only chances to create a player, so I wanted to do something really different. Um, so I was kind of looking around. I got inspiration from finding a, a miniature of this character. Um, it's actually a Pathfinder character. And... You know, she just looked over the top, a, a diva, and I was like, oh, this would make a perfect bard. Um, she could use her voice, you know, as, you know, her, for her components. And we did a little mm-hmm. bit of tweaking there. Um, made her a noble, so she had these servants that would do a lot of the work for her. Um, you know, they would put on her makeup and dress her and, and all these types of things. Very cool. So, and I think that's a neat that it's a mini that uh, then inspired the creation rather than it usually kind of works the other way around where you like kind of think of something then you try to find something that matches what uh what you came up with you're kind of working backwards a little bit right and uh just for a plug did you find that did you happen to find this mini at game closet no i actually found it online i was trying to i was trying to plug (laughs) game closet there but um we'll we'll get them we'll get them plugged in here as, as much as possible uh so uh human bard with a noble uh with a halfling serve uh, servants that are kind of like the, her street team hanging up posters and everything right. uh, has she been successful in uh, acquiring a lot of jobs like with that strategy um, yeah she they hung up posters she got a job made quite a bit of money from her first performance and rolled some really high stats for performance during that so um, that worked out well and we went by and um, she got some perfume and got a de- advertising deal to put her face on the perfume bottles, and so I was getting a cut of that as well. <laughs> That's really neat. Kind of going the full capitalistic uh, right. expansion there. 
With the backstory of like, you said that she w- had a husband that was kind of embezzling money. Like where, uh, where's kind of like the inspiration for that come from? Like, does that, was that just a way to like make it to where she was kind of be kind of the main breadwinner for their, uh, like the, that couple or is she still with her husband? No. Um, like he hadn't been in the story at all. So okay. that's all just backstory. Um, but I thought it kind of planted a seed for the DM if he wanted to bring that in later. Okay. Um, ha- you know, expose her for being this person who had been exiled. Um, and then they had some children so who left to join the circus. <laughs> um, and at one point, my own son decided to come and play mm-hmm. uh, in our campaign. So I let him be my character's son in the story. And he was kind of corrupted and... We had to chase him down, and my character actually told the carriage driver to run over my son oh, no. so he could capture him. <laughs> so sometimes she doesn't make the the best choices. <laughs> oh man, that's a how does your son react whenever uh, whenever you said that at the table? I, th- I think um, he understood that his character had some evil tendencies, and that you know he was going to have to face off against our party. <laughs> Oh man, that's a, I, I can't imagine, how old is your son? Uh, 15. Okay, so I was kind of imagining like a little bit younger and yeah. just been like, dad, <laughs> come on. <laughs> but no, that's a, <clears throat> that's really cool to, uh, to like bring him in and like make that little arc with, uh, with him for, was that like just uh, for like a little one-off or was that? Yeah, that was actually just a one-time thing for him. Gotcha. And uh, did he actually get run over by the carriage or? Oh, twice. Oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Just, and I wonder what the, was the, uh, after, after session conversation be like, okay, so that was just in game. I would never do that in, in reality. <laughs> I think I used those words. Yes. <laughs> so uh, whenever you mentioned coming in contact with, uh, the current party, you said that there was some kind of tournament that y'all entered into. What mm-hmm. was like kind of the. A type of tournament that was so uh, it, we there's a, a famous tavern and in the basement of this tavern we put a dungeon crawl um it was from some magazine that we had found just a kind of little insert and so we plugged that into this tavern and so they were having a contest whoever could get through this little dungeon crawl the fastest uh, okay and so all of our characters decided to do it and they kind of paired us up in a team oh very cool and so how many people in the current party? Um, we had some people that weren't coming all the time. Probably averaged about five or six okay. in the party. Yeah, it's tough to get everybody to be able to meet at mm-hmm. one time. Um, we do like every two weeks for our stuff. And even then, it's kind of tough. We always have to change days, it feels like. So I, I kind of get the whole not showing up all the time. So right. um, was your team able to uh, do it the fastest? Yes, I think we we all succeeded. There was a mechanic in there. If we got killed, we weren't really dead and could go back in, but it would add to our time mm-hmm. since it was like a time kind of contest. I gotcha. But even with a couple of us having to rejoin and lose time, we still were able to be the fastest. Very cool. And so was the uh, what was the reward for uh, being the fastest? Um, I don't think there was much of a reward. <laughs> we may have gotten some free drinks and some notoriety. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Just just getting the name out there. Mm-hmm. So uh, your character, uh, Jivo, probably did it just so then she'd be like, 
And I can also do dungeon crawls and sing. <laughs> right. She promoted her next opera performance, I think. Very cool. So as far as like her motivations and goals going forward within uh, this party, what, what do you kind of see those as, uh, as being? Uh, so she has a grand plan. Okay. Um, she created this map of what each person in the party would um, be in charge of. And so she was going to be the um, director. So she didn't really have a thing, but she kind of meddled in everybody else's. Um, we ended up gaining our own tavern that we were going to make, so somebody was in charge of that. We had somebody who was going to be in kind of security to get in good with, like, the city watch. Um, we were going to create a casino. Somebody else was going to be in charge ah. of that. So we had all these kind of little plots going. Um, and really we haven't, you know... That's a grand plan, so not a, many of them have come to fruition yet. Gotcha. So it's kind of like to make this uh, kind of all-in-one like entertainment area, like or a more adult entertainment thing for like people to come seeing, see shows and gamble and all right. that. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, so has, has there been any plots that you're, you've been able to like acquire, or is it like kind of everything is still kind of in motion? Um, so... We had one of the party members who was not good aligned and got in with some other folk and really didn't let any of us know about it. So that caused some trouble, kind of put us, set us back a little bit. I gotcha. Um, and we finished, actually, we got through fifth level in this. So we kind of finished that adventure. And the next um, kind of module, um, Dungeon of the Mad Mage, goes underneath the city into this huge dungeon crawl, 24 level um, kind of thing. So... Jivo has uh, multi-class. It's the first time I'd done that. I usually don't mm. do that, but I decided, you know, she's dressed as an opera singer. She wants to become a little sturdier. Mm-hmm. So she trained as a cleric. Oh, okay. And now she can wear armor and, and do some other things. Very cool. So uh, let's, let's kind of go to the multi-class. And what's your reasoning for not wanting to multi-class much? Uh, I usually kind of like, like when I run campaigns, I ask the players not to you generally just because I think it's, kind of a pure um, version of D&D. You get okay. into a lot of multi-class and it just kind of seems like everybody's kind of muddled. Um, mm-hmm. If everybody has a little fighter and a little wizard, and a little, then, I don't know, it just kind of loses some distinction of who those characters are to me. Gotcha. Um, See, but, so it kind of gives it to where you like are able to like really role-play instead of just like taking on a lot of different roles for fight's sake. Right. Is that is that kind of your reasoning behind it? Yeah, instead of you know trying to to make the the most powerful character based on multiclassing, mm-hmm. choosing which you know class at which levels, just go with with the one and make it make it your own. Gotcha. For story reasons. Gotcha. No, that's that's really neat. But uh, so for but for her, it kind of made sense just to like she's about to go down into into something where she can't really hide behind just performance alone she's right. got to she's got to kind of armor up yeah she was going to leave her servants up to keep kind of keep running all of these you know businesses for her while she went down and so she kind of felt unprotected so she wanted to kind of beef herself up a bit very cool what about some uh, favorite uh in-game moments so far with uh with your character and with your party well i think i mentioned running over my son with a carriage that was <laughs> that was pretty dramatic um wow um, what else did we have? Um, oh, so there is a in the in the first tavern with the dungeon crawl that they went to. 
there was a character there who had been into this large dungeon underneath the the, uh, the city. Um, so he's you know, experienced and rich and kind of older, kind of, he was a money lender in the city. And so I had my character kind of like flirting with him quite a bit, mm-hmm. um, kind of to make some kind of political connections because he was also kind of involved with politics and kind of a outstanding person in, in the whole city. Um, so spent a lot of time um, one of the other characters turned out to be my brother so I, uh-huh. I enlisted him to kind of help um, set up a date for me and this other character <laughs> <laughs> how'd that go? Um, well, the DM really wasn't into this at first so it took a, <laughs> a while before we got it off the ground is it uh, just more just like he didn't feel like role playing that or uh, maybe <laughs> um, but also I think just this other character was like uh, such a higher level than we were. I don't think he wanted to kind of um, bump us up to kind of have that kind of power level at the at the moment by having him as as part of our group. I uh, got you. Kind of just uh, trying to make it to where it wasn't like gaining so much at one time. Right. I uh, got you. Yeah, that's a uh, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> I don't think we've had uh, any of that in our campaigns just yet, but um, I'm. Chris is running one of ours, but I may try to spring that on him. But I think the problem with him is that he's willing to role play just about anything. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so I, I may try and be like, "Oh, this is too much. I gotta, I gotta bail." <laughs> is there any like kind of podcast or media that you uh, listen to or take in that uh, kind of influences uh, your play or how you run campaigns? Yeah, actually, I think I think Chris was the one that started me into getting into a lot of the podcasts. Oh so yeah, Sneak Attack was one of his favorites. Mm-hmm. So I really got into that, and then Critical Role. Um, you know, I, I listen to that every week. Um, I also listen to Glass Cannon podcast and Androids and Aliens. Even though I've really never played Pathfinder, Starfinder before, mm-hmm. it's just it's just you know interesting and kind of fun to listen to those ideas. Yeah. What was that? Maybe like a transformer, I'm hoping? That was scary. <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, may just uh, keep that in the podcast just because that was crazy. Uh, Maybe a glass cannon. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I really do like, uh, I do really do like glass cannon too just because it shows how, um, even though I, I don't play Pathfinder either, but I do like how detailed and how good that they are with keeping up with those details because it just shows me like man they're they actually know their stuff that or they're really good at fast reading so right and uh yeah did you have you listened to episode 200 yet um i think i was listening to part three on the way over here so i haven't quite finished so good okay i won't spoil (laughs) it uh we also make a joke on on here that uh we we have people come on and then they promote other people's podcasts just uh (laughs) just kind of spread the love to everybody you know so in your experience as DM and, uh, well, let's go with the player first. Uh, for players looking to kind of create a very similar character, uh, what would uh, what would your advice be for them? Um, I think, you know, sometimes you're role-playing. So for me, it was kind of, I want to pick something kind of out of my, that's not like me, kind of out of my comfort zone. Um, and she's, She's lawful good at kind of at first, and so she's a you know trying to obey the laws for the most part and keep everybody in line. 
Um, she kind of had this structure in mind of creating this big organization and mm-hmm. and everybody kind of working together, even though some people in the party weren't doing that. Um, but for me, it was it was about kind of you know in a party. I'm not usually one to to take charge, but she was kind of a force of nature and mm-hmm. a diva, and so that was kind of kind of fun to, to do that. Yeah. So would you say like with the bard like that is. Uh, would you kind of say kind of make something similar or do you do you typically say bards need to kind of hang back oh a lot of times a bard is you know a, a support character right they mm-hmm. give some healing they give some inspiration um they're good at a lot of things but not usually the best at at, at anything mm-hmm. in particular um but she i mean she's just headstrong and dives right into things yeah, you know, we went under the city in the sewer, and even though she hated getting all dirty, she was in the lead yeah. most of the time. How do the other players kind of interact with that? Are they kind of uh, do they kind of get annoyed with her for being so headstrong? Or are they kind of like is it kind of like the push they need? Um, so the group uh, I had uh, was fairly passive in okay. general. Their the players' personality. So that was another motivation for me is to create this character that kind of kept them moving from place to place instead of debating each situation and, and whatnot. Um, some of them did get annoyed that she was kind of stealing the spotlight at times, but you know, I kind of took that in mind. That's the story and, and was okay with, with them feeling that way about her because that's the way things would actually happen. Um, and then as a player, I would let her, you know, I would, find ways to have her step back maybe go do a performance or something so she could step back and and out of the way for them to do some things on their own for a bit very cool uh and lastly like with uh your experience as like a dmn player and you've kind of looked through uh first edition uh books as well what would be kind of uh your advice to uh players kind of just in general uh that you know would be helpful uh for them to kind of like make their campaign better? Um, I always, you know, I, I think players are the best when they're thinking outside the box and coming up with creative solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, combat's great, but it's not always, you know, I like to kind of mix it up and some of the best options are when they come up with these creative solutions to things that are happening. Um, I had this one heist that some of my characters were doing and so I gave them this mechanic of they could go back and retroactively plan something that they had done for the heist in the moment and so okay. one of my characters found this and had stowed this winch to the, then they used then to raise a monster up out of the way you know just <laughs> being creative in all these different ways um, and then also to kind of really think about the other characters and players and um think about those interactions and like i said not really stepping on toes or being in the front all the time but kind of sharing that that story with each other uh before i think kind of the campaign starts do you have them i kind of have a uh, session zero where they kind of meet and like talk about things and what does that look like um so I always want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like whenever I plan to do that, we have several people out, <laughs> right? So then it's hard to plan it, um, or like people are late, so then we have to you know end up kind of jumping into things or whatever. But um, we do a lot over text as well. So you know we've had games where we actually 
text more of the story <laughs> than we do actually oh. in the in the <laughs> two hours we're playing together. Um, and that and I've done that too as a DM to kind of let each person kind of do their own thing and like kind of do a solo adventure or do some things in a city that they wanted to do that don't involve the rest of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll get these like group threads going when somebody else joins. So we'll be jumping back and forth between a one-on-one text to, you know, three of us in a text and then somebody else will go off and that, that got really interesting for a while. We don't do that all the time. But, yeah. Um, Have you used uh, Slack to kind of organize that or? I haven't. Um, we we really just have used text, okay. um, and in, in the game closet, you know, it's not really built for any kind of electronic media. So you gotcha. We just do pencil and paper mostly. Yeah, I gotcha. I was gonna say like I use um, Slack with just a bunch of group text, and it's nice to be able to because like, it gives you option as like full group, but then you also like can within the app itself just do one on one stuff. And there's a lot of different things that you can integrate with it, like Google Docs and everything. So if you need to like share something with them, or it's it's really neat. So that uh, I think that's what uh, Chris and I use for our uh, our podcasting stuff whenever we're talking about all that. So it's it's a nice little tool. Um, any kind of final thoughts before uh, we head out here? Final thoughts. Um... One of the things, as a DM, maybe what I, I like to do is just bring all different kind of ideas together. My campaigns are bringing in ideas from all different sources. I'm, I'll find a mini and then decide, oh, I really like, want to bring that in as one of the villains. I'll, I'll re, you know, find a pre-written uh, uh, adventure and use parts of it with my own homebrew um, and then also think about like my characters, uh, the the other players' characters' backstories, and try to incorporate as much of that in it too. So it just becomes mm-hmm. this kind of living Frankenstein of, yeah. a, of a campaign. Very cool. Well, Jim, really appreciate you uh, coming on and uh, being part of the show. Thanks, uh, thanks again for coming all this way to our uh, to our studio, and uh, really appreciate it. I just noticed your. Uh, your mug is that a uh, is that something inspired from D and D or is that just a kind of, sorry it kind of looked like a a mind flayer thing first now I'm realizing it's just an octopus well so. it's just an octopus but actually the uh, organization that Givo created was called the Octopus Consortium oh, so it does okay. kind of fit there you go hey so you got the you got the cup you got the shirt you're you're all ready to go and when do y'all y'all used to play you said on uh, Wednesdays Wednesday nights, I was yeah. about to say man you're you're all ready to go and uh, play right now. but uh, Yeah, I wish I could. <laughs> well, thanks again for coming on. Uh, listeners, this has been uh, Magic Explains It All. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you have a character that you'd like for us to, to discuss on an upcoming GM slash DM episode, just tweet at us with the hashtag Magic Explains. And if you would want to have a catchphrase or one-liner read at the beginning of the show, like today's that I made because we don't have as many catchphrases coming in so y'all need to work on that Um, but just leave us a five-star review on itunes with the catchphrase in the review description and we'll read it off on air and give you a shout out Uh, thanks again for listening we'll see you guys in two weeks
Produced by B-Roll Audio, the best background noise. You can find us on Twitter at B-Roll Audio.